Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Saturday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Mary Kay Cabot's final night in West Virginia. Uh, Mary Kay, you've got one more practice to watch on Sunday morning, and then it's back to Ohio for you. Ashley is not on this podcast. She is actually traveling back to Ohio as we're recording. Who knows? I might get this podcast posted in time for her to listen and that tail end of her drive, if it hits in time, she can stick it on her Bluetooth, take a take a break from Taylor Swift, and uh, <laughs> listen, to, listen to you and me talk Browns, Mary Kay. I mean, it has been, I was there for four days, for, well, I was there for four practices, and that was long. So I can only imagine you've been there now longer than a week, with still technically like a, half a day there to go. It's got to start feeling pretty long here. Yeah, well, I actually got here on... Um... July 21st. So by the time I leave tomorrow, it will have been 10 days. And that is a long time. I don't remember the last time I was uh, gone from home for 10 days. That is a very long trip, uh, but it's it's been good. It's a beautiful place. Um, we're going over to see some of the Greenbrier tonight that we haven't seen to try to walk around and, and sort of get a feel for the resort and what it looks like for the first time. Believe it or not, we haven't really been over there yet, except for the first night we went over um, to one of the, the establishments over there and uh, and hung out a little bit. But in terms of just the opulent resort itself, um, I haven't seen it. So really looking forward to doing that this evening. OK, so I put out a call out to our texters like, hey, what do you want to know? This is going to be the last podcast uh, with with one of us in West Virginia what do you want to know about these first eight days of camp? Like I said, I saw the first four practices. You've seen them all. So we're going to kind of quick hit a lot of these. But I do want to start with this one because I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, this comes from the 440 area code. Do the Browns look good enough to win the AFC North and get to the Super Bowl? Now, it's really hard to say that after eight days of practices, especially the, these types of practices. But... The reason I started with this, Mary Kay, is I've just been thinking about this. The way we talk about this team and the way we talk about this talent and how good we think Deshaun Watson can be, shouldn't that be our expectation? Like, we talked so much about expectations earlier this week when the Haslam spoke. And I'm just wondering, like, if, if all this stuff we say about these players and this quarterback and, and this defense and what it all can be, like, if this team is really that good, shouldn't we have that level of expectation? It just feels weird to talk about all the talent we're seeing and how good we think they can be, and then also say, eh, but if they go 9-8, and eight, that's okay. No, you're exactly right. I mean, this team is built to go the distance. Uh, you do not go out and spend this kind of money on, on all of these players uh, if you are not trying to make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, these guys... Uh, are in double-digit millions, so many of them. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, the guards, Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, you're paying these guys a ton of money to have gotten to the Super Bowl. You've gone out and you've traded for Elijah Moore. You've traded for Zadaria Smith. Absolutely 100%. This is the roster that is supposed to get you there. Uh, and, you know, really, they don't have a whole lot of time before, the you know, the players that are in the prime of their career uh, start to go over to the other side and end up on the decline. And so, you know, you've got to get it done pretty darn soon. So, yes, this team is built to go to the Super Bowl, 
And I think we should expect this team to do really well. If it doesn't, I feel like there's something wrong. Yeah. And I like, this isn't, you, you said it, this isn't some plucky young team on the come up, you know, I mean, my, all, so many of these guys have gotten paid already. If, if you look at it, I think that's a big thing. Like miles has gotten paid Denzel Deshaun, Amari Cooper, uh, you know, we could go through just a list of people on, on this roster who have gotten paid. So it's not like this is some young plucky team that, you know, Hey, they're, they're going to cause problems for people. This team is getting paid for like a team that's good enough to win the Super Bowl, And it's, you know, they've underachieved recently. And I think that's maybe why maybe you look at it and say, well, you know, this year you take a step and next year you take another step. But I just don't think that's the reality. I think if we're going to talk about this team, like one of the most talented teams in the league, and I think I think that's a fair discussion, you, you've got to you've got to say that they need to go to the AFC championship game or go to the Super Bowl. Like that should be the standard. Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. The you know, when you look at even like a, a player like Denzel Ward, I mean, he's going into his sixth season now. I mean, these guys are the ones that are supposed to get you there. Nick Chubb. I mean, how long can you rely on Nick Chubb to be one of the best running backs in the NFL? At some point, uh, that's going to start to diminish a little bit. You hate to say that, but that's what happens uh, with running backs. Amari Cooper, he's getting up there. Uh, there are some young players on the team, but the players uh, that you are paying the big money to are not, they didn't just fall off the turnip truck. They've been around for a long, long time. And it's time for this thing to show up. Zadarius Smith has been around for a long time. I think this is his ninth season. Miles Garrett, you know, seventh season. So um, the time is now. And once again, you know, you had hoped when you traded for Deshaun Watson that last year was the year that he was going to be able to get you there. Well, since you lost that year, basically, you have to do it this year. I mean, he's on a five-year contract. You don't, you know, you don't have any time to waste. And so, they do have to hit the ground running for that reason and also for the fact that they've got the three AFC North games in the first four weeks. Okay, let's get to uh, some, some more of these specific questions here. Steven, Philadelphia, how do we feel about the Marquise goodwin receiving core now that uh, now that we've gotten a look at it? You know what? I, you know, they went out and they got him because they wanted a vertical stretch guy. They wanted somebody who could take the top off of a defense they do have other guys that are very, very fast. You can accomplish some of those goals with Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper. And, you know, you can have deep threats in your tight ends and David Njoku and some of these guys and some of the other receivers as well. Um, but there was going to be a lot to be said for Marquise Goodwin, Goodwin and the speed that he brought to the table. Now I think you have to see if Anthony Schwartz can bring you some of that. You know, is he ready to be an NFL player? That's a big question mark now. Because we don't know if Marquise Goodwin is going to go on injured reserve for this season. I'm sure he has to be on blood thinners, and you can't play the game of football when you're on blood thinners. I don't know how long he has to be on them, uh, but you know, right now it seems like he's probably going to be out for uh, a period of time. So I think it's a, a blow to what they were trying to do. There were going to be times where you wanted to put him out on the field uh, and really get that speed out there. So I, I think it's I think it's a, a pretty significant loss. Okay, from the four one nine area code, what position group has improved the most, and what player should we should we be watching out for to have a breakout season? 
you know, I, I would have to say, I mean, it's between receiver and defensive line. I mean, the defensive line, when you're adding Delvin Tomlinson and you're adding Zadarius Smith, Obo Okoronkwo, uh, that, you know, that's a lot of new talent on that defensive line. Uh, so I would say that's one huge area. And then, you know, receiver, when you, add, you know, they did add um, Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman and Jordan Akins. I'm counting him in there, even though he's not really uh, a wide receiver. He's more of a tight end, but a big receiver. Um, but, you know, now that you don't have Marquise Goodwin, you know, the edge probably goes over to the defensive line. These are some big time players that you've added on the D line. And, um, and, you know, I just, I think that that's going to be probably the area that we see the most immediate improvement, probably even early on in the season. As far as the next part of the question was, who's going to be a breakout player this season? That's a good question. Um, as far as a breakout player, um, you know, I, I mean, mean can, oh, can you put him up, Elijah Moore in there, Dan? That, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, that was my first thought because he uh, hasn't. He yeah. hasn't had that huge year yet. I mean, if he, if this guy becomes a thousand yard receiver, which, which again, this is another case of if we believe he's going to do that, then the expectations for this team should be super high. If he's a thousand yard receiver this year, that's a breakout, I think. Yeah. And I think he is. I think he is a 1000 yard receiver. I think that's what we're looking at. You have to see how defensive backs are going to play him. You have to see, um, you know, what they're going to try to take away from him. But so far it looks like he's got the right, skill set to mesh really nice with Deshaun Watson and Deshaun's excited to have him. Those two guys look really, really good together. And, um, and I think that, that Deshaun's going to feed him early and often. And, um, and I think he does have the potential to have that 1000 yard season and get, get, you know, get back to catching maybe seven, eight touchdown passes. Okay, we've gotten to hear from a, a bunch of guys over this past week. Sean from Strongsville. There are a lot of new players that came in as free agents, especially on defense. Who's excited to be here? What are they saying about being a Brown? And, and Mary Kay, I know you've talked to a few people one-on-one. -on -one, and, of course, we have the press conferences as well all week. I've talked to a couple guys one-on-one. -on -one. There is definitely an excitement on that defensive side of the football. Yeah, I mean, I would have to say that, you know, one of the, the biggest – candidates for the answer to this question is Zadarius Smith. And like you said, I did have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him the other day. I haven't gotten a chance to write it yet. Hopefully I will very soon. It's been crazy busy down here, um, but hopefully I can get that out, you know, early this week. And he is so excited to be here, so happy to be here. And he's bringing a leadership and a voice to the defense that, that I think is very, very necessary. He reminds me of one of those old school guys that just kind of snaps everything into focus. And I think Miles Garrett welcomes the kind of vocal leadership that Zadarius Smith is bringing. I think he wants to share the load like that because that's not really in his nature. I mean, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, his, his, he is, he is learning how to be more of a leader, but by nature, he's a little bit more of a do his own thing kind of guy. And he's doing a great job in terms of helping the young guys and whatever. But Zadarius Smith has a more natural vocal presence about him where guys kind of gravitate to him and he uh, willingly and verbally imparts a lot of wisdom on people. And, uh, and you know, I think that that's going to really help them this year. All right. This one comes from Mike Parker in Chester, Maryland. Did Deshaun Watson look like an elite quarterback? Did he take command of the offense? Did he exhibit the arm strength, quick release, and decision-making ability that he possessed with Houston? 
Yes, I'm seeing all of those things. I am definitely seeing all of those things. Now, today, as we speak right now, and as we're taping this, was the very first day that we have seen any team drills in pads. That's the only time when you really get an opportunity to see what these guys are all about. And they didn't even do you know, a bunch of short yardage and red zone and goal line and stuff like that today when you can really see if he's firing some touchdown passes over some really good guys. Um, but what what I am seeing looks elite to me. The skill set is elite. The decision-making is elite. The footwork is elite. Um, you know, I think it, it's going to come down to um, kind of how they're calling it, how they're drawing it up, how they're designing it. But he, I wrote this the other day, he has a whole lot more authority this year. He can kind of run the show out there. I mean, he, he you know, they, they have heaped that upon him where they have said, hey, this is your baby now. You can go run with this thing. And I think you're going to see a whole lot more of that this year. And, and one of the cool things about training camp and, and going back to the spring, too, is we can sort of put ourselves in positions where we can see the game a little bit differently. You know, we can stand behind plays. We can stand to the sides. You know, Greenbrier was a little tough, but um, you do see sometimes just how tight some of these windows he throws to are. And I, I just remember a throw in the spring. I think it was to Donovan Peoples-Jones. I can't remember the receiver, but he put it between like three defenders. And it was one of those balls that the receiver had no choice but to catch it. And it was exactly where the receiver's hands were. It's that kind of precision um, that, that Deshaun Watson has. And, and that's what makes him so dangerous. It's that precision and that accuracy on top of everything else that he brings to the table. Yes, absolutely. You're so right about that. The thing that he has to hope is going to happen for him is that this receiving core is going to be uh, up to par and what they need it to be. We know Amari is, we know that Elijah Moore is, and we know that Donovan Peoples-Jones keeps coming up that learning curve and getting better and better. Uh, but you've got to have a number of guys that can go out there and catch anything that comes their way. You cannot be having dropped passes out there. You know, you've got to really have reliable receivers. Now he should make these guys better. Um, and, and I think that he will, but, you know, I think that the jury is still out a little bit on just how good this receiving core is going to be. I, I still, once again, I think it hurts that they lost Marquise Goodwin. Okay. Before we get to this next question, everybody out there listening to do me a favor, because I think this question references something related to this. So unless, unless you're driving, don't do this, but if you're just sitting there, if you're on a, whatever you're doing, take your phone, swipe up on the podcast app, you'll still be able to hear us. Go click on Instagram, click on search, look for orange and brown talk and hit follow. Just go do that right now while I'm reading this question, because I think Fred in Naples saw this on Instagram. He said, seeing Martin Emerson answer questions, he doesn't look like a corner. He looks big. And I love the nasty attitude that he brings to the field. How has he looked in camp and what kind of a season do you think he will have? And this has certainly become a big Martin Emerson Jr. podcast here, especially after this week, Mary Kay. Yeah, he looks really good. I think he's very poised to step up in his second season. Um, just in terms of his sheer size, uh, the very first time I ever met him, I was struck by just how broad his shoulders are. I mean, he's got like NBA big, broad shoulders. Uh, he He's just a, a large individual. He looks probably more like a safety than he does a cornerback, but he has the speed and the ability to just be that big cornerback. 
so he's got a lot of, you know, different things that he brings to the table. I still see him a lot on the outside, you know, so we're still seeing a lot of Martin on the outside and Denzel on the outside and Greg Newsom on the inside. Although we keep being told that it's going to uh, shift around in there and that you're going to see Denzel some sometimes in the slot and you're going to see some of the safeties in the slot. Uh, so far, you know, Martin has really planted his flag as a starting outside cornerback and um, his confidence seems to be growing and, um, you know, I just, I really like what he brings to the table and I think he's going to have a big year. I've been saying that I think he's going to be a pro bowler at some point, and I don't think it's going to take him five years to get there. Okay. Uh, we've got some more questions. You mentioned the safety position there in that last answer. We have a question about that coming up, uh, after the break here, but again, while you're listening to these ads, you know, don't tune them out, listen to the ads, but head over to your Instagram app and follow orange Brown talk do that for us. We, we, I keep seeing that follower count grow up. So it's, so it's, so it's great to see. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with a question about the safeties. And back on the orange and Brown talk podcast. This comes from the Pope in sunny Fremont, California. We've had a revolving door of safeties for years and it's never been a strong position group for the Brownies. What are your first impressions of the new guys? Well, like I said, my first impressions, and that's all they are right now, because we have seen them one day in pads, in team drills, and the defenders really cannot um, show their wares until they have an opportunity to do, to do some real hitting in the preseason games. I mean, that's just the way that it is. So, um, but, you know, from what we're seeing, just from a, you know, being at it, you know, at the right place at the right time and seeing some of the individual drills and seeing Juan Thornhill go up against some of the tight ends and the receivers and even the backs to a certain extent. Uh, he's really been standing out in camp and doing a nice job. We talked to Grant Delpit today. He is so determined to step up and be the player that the Browns expected him to be when they drafted him in the second round in 2020. Then Rodney McLeod, I mean, he's just, Rodney is Rodney. I mean, he brings that veteran solid presence and, you know, he's just going to be where he's supposed to be and make the play. So, so far it looks good, but until the games start, I think it's going to be really hard to see how all the pieces fit together. You know, especially Rodney and Juan, if those guys can play, fans are really going to like them. They've got great personalities. You know, we've, we've heard a little bit from, from Juan. Uh, Rodney spoke during minicamp. I had a chance to talk to him too. I think fans are going to like, just love those guys' personalities. Um, Grant is not a big personality guy, but, um, that talent level, I mean, we've seen what it can look like with him. So that's really all that matters. But I think this is an interesting safety group because of that versatility, because I mean, you mentioned it when we talked about Martin, they're going to be playing in the slot a lot and and they're going to be doing a lot of different things with those safeties. And all of these guys can kind of play anywhere. This is sort of that three safety look that we've been talking about for years. And I think we might finally see it here under Jim Schwartz. Oh, you're definitely going to see it. Yeah. Fans are definitely going to see the three safety look. Um, and, and they will use that a lot. They're going to be so multiple. And like you said, those guys are so versatile. They're going to be playing up. They're going to be playing back. They're going to be doing so many different things. Um, and I think the thing that they need to do more so than anything is drive the bus on the takeaways. They need to be the ones out there forcing the fumbles, getting the interceptions to the extent that they can. And of course you want your cornerbacks to be doing that too. 
But um, I think these guys need to be the ball hawks. They need to set the tone, plant the flag, and make sure that they're getting the ball back for their offense. And I feel like they're going to do it. Okay, let's look at another position. Uh, And this one is really tough to get a read on because there's just a lot of injuries there and guys working back. But Tom Bays in Charlotte, North Carolina, he wants to know how the linebackers have looked so far. And he actually wants to know about Tony Fields and if he'll make the team. I I think we both agree that Tony Fields makes this team. Uh, But what have you thought of the linebackers, at least the ones we've been able to see on the field? You know, I mean, nothing that really stands out so far. I mean, these guys, once again... um, You know, we haven't really seen them tackle yet. We really haven't seen them much in pads. Uh, They're still coming back off of injuries to a certain extent. They're moving them and rotating them in a lot. So you'll you'll look out there and you'll see JOK at times uh, in there with like the second teamers or the third teamers. You're looking out there thinking, why? Why is he doing that? But um, but that's just the way that Jim Schwartz does it. He rolls his guys in a lot. So he doesn't really have a depth chart. I mean, he just is kind of funneling guys in and out. So that, that's been kind of interesting. Um, but I'd say more so than anything, um, it's been just a little bit of a revolving door. You don't have Sione Takitaki really out there yet. You don't have Anthony Walker Jr. out there yet in any kind of team drills. Um, you know, JOK to a certain extent. I mean, I think he's still kind of coming back a little bit from the midfoot, midfoot sprain, which he revealed to me. Uh, was the old dreaded Liz Frank injury. He looks good. He's moving well. Um, but I think he, you know, he's probably going to be continuing to ramp up throughout camp. Yeah, I feel like that got lost a little bit in the Haslam's, but that's pretty significant when he told you that, that, that he suffered a Liz Frank injury. I mean, that is a serious, serious injury. I mean, Joel Batonio had one uh, in 2016, I think it was. He hasn't missed a snap since he came back from that. But, you know, that cost him a season. That's, I mean, that's a significant revelation. Yes, it is. I mean, that it can be very serious. That's an injury that, depending on what's going on in the foot with broken bones and damaged ligaments, that can be up to a year-long recovery. Now, JOK opted not to have the surgery, um, he's definitely someone that is into a lot of natural healing and uh, natural modalities and that sort of thing. Uh, so he opted not to have the surgery. Good news that he could do that. I mean, there are some things where you just have to have the surgery, but his was a choice. And um, so it, it can't have been, you know, the most serious Liz Frank injury ever. Uh, but he's coming back from that. And hopefully for him, uh, it will hold up. Hopefully that, you know, it's, it's fully healed now. And, and he's going to be ready to go because that is a little bit of a tough thing to come back from. This is a tough question to really know the answer to, uh, because like you said, we haven't been at the green at the actual Greenbrier. We were there for a, a quick little event on Saturday night, but, but haven't really gotten a chance to go over there. But uh, this comes from the 216 area code. I know that a big reason for them going to the Greenbrier was to get some team bonding going. Do you think that aspect was a success? Yes, from everything that I've been hearing, that has been a success. Uh, players are, are talking about it. I've heard coaches talking about it and, and other members of the team. And, you know, hopefully we'll run into a few people tonight and we'll be able to have some of those off-the-cuff conversations with people where, you know, they might give us a little bit more insight into that. But I think it's had the desired impact on team camaraderie and bonding. You're not going home after a long, hard practice 
and, you know, sitting in, you know, in your living room, watching Netflix or hanging out with your significant other or taking care of your kids or whatever, you're going and playing cards with your teammate, or you're going and playing video games with your teammate on their off day. Some of them went to the pool. Some of them went golfing. They are together. It's a lot of togetherness, but I think that the bonding is happening. Yeah, it's a little uh, kind of forced family fun, if, if you will. But yeah. yeah, I mean, when you can't help but be around your teammates, you don't know anybody else there. You got to hang out with them and spend time with them. And I th- and I think that's, you know, that's that's a good thing in a locker room that, you know, at times over the last few years has kind of felt a little fractured by the time we got to the end of it. Um, from Scott Mandel in Los Angeles, after experiencing cap- camp this week, have either of you changed your outlook towards any positions, positive or negative? Hmm. Um, That's a good question. Uh, you know, I'm going to say maybe feeling a little less optimistic about the receiving core uh, than I was in the wake of, of Marquise Goodwin, because I felt like they had every single thing that they needed. They had all their bases covered. And now if Anthony Schwartz isn't ready to step up into the vertical stretch role, I think they're missing something. So that's one area where, you know, I wonder a little bit about that. Um, But I think that's about it. I I think everything else seems okay, except for there is uncertainty at linebacker, of course, as we have been discussing because of injuries. But other than that, I think they're okay. Yeah. But even that, I don't know that that's like a change, right. And and how we came in thinking about it. See, right. I was going to say receiver was one that I came away feeling, I don't know, feeling better about, but the Marquise thing concerns me. But I mean, we spent so much time talking about Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I thought he was kind of one of the winners here out of these first eight days. I thought he looked really good to start camp. Maybe the tight end group. I know David Njoku, it sounded like he had a really good day today. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we could probably find a million camp logs and camp podcasts that talk about David Njoku having good days, but it sounded like he had a good day and he's had a good week. So maybe the, maybe the tight end group and Jordan Aikens kind of showed up this week. Yeah. And you know, Harrison Bryant has made some plays. Um, I, I really actually have seen Harrison Bryant do some, some nice things and he has uh, you know, he has stood out. So um, Jordan Aikens didn't practice today. Um, and actually I don't think he practiced yesterday either. So he might, you know, he might be kind of coming back to the pack a little bit right now while he gets himself back together with something. I don't know exactly what's going on with him, but, um, but Harrison has looked good. David has looked good. Uh, they might add another tight end. I, I could still see them doing that, but for the most part, they're, they're doing a nice job there. I mean, I don't recall seeing a ton from the the running backs behind Nick Chubb. That's but that again, that that's another one of those things that that was a question mark coming in anyway. So, and Jerome Ford, he didn't practice today for personal reasons, right? That was, right. yeah. So, okay. One more here. This comes from Craig and Kelsey in Encinitas, California. I hope I said that right. And I asked this because the answer to this is kind of yes. Uh, have any of the Browns players had any encounters with the Greenbrier ghost? <laughs> and Joel Batonio was talking about the Greenbrier ghost a little bit. Like he didn't have an encounter, but he said Wyatt Teller I guess like his door randomly opened and Joel was talking about getting lost in the green briar. So <laughs> if anybody did, it sounds like maybe the ghost was hanging around the offensive line area. <laughs> yes. Um, and once again, I, I wish we had more time. This is not a setting 
where you can mill around and talk to players. Really, basically, what happens is you request a guy, you get a one-on-one interview with somebody that you request most of the time, and then they bring guys to the podium. It's not like, you know, I could just go find Wyatt one day and say, hey, Joel was mentioning that, you know, maybe you had, you know, an an encounter with a, a ghost. So we don't, we haven't really had a chance to, to ask uh, very many guys about stuff like that yet, but I'm sure there are some very interesting stories. I want to hear what Wyatt's experience has been. Yeah. When we get in that locker room week one, that's going to be the first, the first order of business is figure out what happened at the Greenbrier. We want to hear about this ghost or whatever else. We want to know if anybody did falconry. That's what we really want to know. Absolutely. I mean, now we're here at the end and I I wish that I would have had more opportunities to go over and and be at the resort and maybe try some kind of an activity um, and kind of see how the players were interacting with each other over there. That's, that's the hard part about this is that we were just not there. We were just at the sports performance center during practice and that was it. So, um, so yeah, it was a little different. My expectations uh, were very different from how this actually turned out. I mean, I did, I thought I was going to see players, you know, who was hanging out with who and, you know, it was just very different. Yeah. And, and well, we all had this experience except for Ashley, cause we prepared her, but um, when you pull into the parking lot and it's not a paved parking lot, it's just this gravel lot. It's flooded. Um, if it rains, it's all muddy and messy. And then you get out of your car and you start walking toward this media tent. And there it is the outhouse, the, the porta potty, the sinks, the, like, like those little porta potty sinks, like that you have to use your little foot, the little foot pedal to get water. That's when I kind of knew like, this is not, nearly what we expected it to be. Yeah. And the three or four dresses that I brought down here with me, I have not put one of them on the whole time I've been here. Um, but I might throw one of them on tonight to go check out the green briar, just so I can say I actually wore something that I brought for this trip. But um, no, I mean, it's all in, it's all in good fun. It's just different than what we thought it was going to be like. And I have to tell you about uh, the little friend that we met at dinner last night. Do you know this story yet, Dan? I have not heard this story. Was this at the, uh, yeah, well, we probably, I don't know if we want to say the name else. of the restaurant. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say where it was at because right. we don't I'll, want, uh, I'll bleep it out. Yeah. But <laughs> we went to dinner at a nice establishment in downtown Lewisburg last night. And, uh, it was a bunch of us have been going out each night. So, you know, it was all, all the big, biggish media contingent was there and the room that we were sitting in all of a sudden we look over and there's a mouse there was just a little mouse and he kept you know popping his little head out and running around and I saw him at one point and just screamed and um yeah Ashley you know I don't think she could finish her dinner because she was worried about the mouse (laughs) so it was very funny we have you know we have funny little stories like that of you know, just goofy little stuff happening. We met, and they, then the wait staff said that that's their mouse, their pet mouse at the restaurant, and his name is Stuart. So they know all about Stuart, and uh, so that was kind of interesting. I mean, we, we've all seen Ratatouille. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Could be yes. worse. Um, right. Yeah. So, any, I will say, like that area again. This is one of those like you wish you had had more time to explore, even just not the Greenbrier, but just that area in general is really 
really nice. And they've, you know, you can tell there's a lot of like, you know, there's like a scenic railroad there and, you know, you know, people, people go there for a lot of outdoor activities, just kind of that area around the Greenbrier. So um, it's, it was a very nice area of, of West Virginia, or at least in theory it was, I don't know that for a fact, but it sure seemed like it. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. It's, it is one of the coolest little uh, towns that I've, I've ever been in and lots of nice little restaurants, a couple shops that look like they would have been fun to go to. So um, yeah, it's a very, very nice area. And, um, you know, and it's a beautiful setting in the mountains here. And, you know, I think the, the players have really appreciated their time. Well, this is going to be the last podcast where we serve as the Chamber of Commerce for Lewisburg, West Virginia. <laughs> We're going to have a couple days here, probably without a podcast. Uh, Browns are back on the practice field on Tuesday. And of course, we will certainly be back on Tuesday with a podcast. But Mary Kay is traveling back on Sunday. Uh, Got to do some catching up on Monday. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. If there isn't significant news, we might kind of hold off for a new pod until Tuesday. Just make sure you subscribe to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify i already said go follow us on instagram uh just search for orange and brown talk check out our youtube page search cleveland browns on cleveland.com on youtube and last but not least become a football insider subscriber that's all these people that ask these questions uh they are football insider subscribers cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get all that info and get signed up mary Kay, safe travels back i'll talk to you later sounds great